0: Chapter eight of the Prayers of Saint Paul by W. H. Griffith Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter eight Strength and Indwelling. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Son in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God ephesians chapter three verses fourteen to nineteen in no part of paul's letters does he rise to a higher level than in his prayers and none of his prayers are fuller of fervor than this wonderful series of petitions they open out one into the other like some majestic suite of apartments in a great palace temple each leading into a loftier and more spacious hall each drawing near the presence chamber until at last we stand there mclaren the second prayer in ephesians possesses remarkable affinities with the first indeed the two are complementary and many of the expressions call for close comparison one the standpoint for this cause verse fourteen to what does this phrase point back some associate it with verse one For this cause thinking that st paul having been diverted from his main teaching in verses one to thirteen here resumes it in the form of a prayer but perhaps it is still better to regard the resumption of the main teaching as coming in chapter four verse one where the apostle again speaks of himself as the prisoner this would make chapter three wholly parenthetical so that instead of the present prayer being based on the teaching of chapter two the apostle is led here to speak of his ministry chapter three verses one to thirteen and its outcome his ministry is a gift a trust a stewardship and its purpose is the proclamation of the gospel and its results in the accomplishment of god's purposes for jew and gentile on this view the standpoint of the prayer is associated closely with his ministry and its effects as seen in the immediately preceding verses It is because of his remarkable ministry, given to him by God, and all the spiritual privileges brought to the Gentile Christians thereby, that he is able to work for them, verse 13, and also to pray for them, verse 14. Thus, while the prayer in chapter 1 looks at their life from the standpoint of the divine purposes, this prayer will be occupied with their spiritual privileges in Christ. 2. The Attitude I bow my knees unto the father verse fourteen the intense reverence of the apostle in this allusion to bowing his knees is particularly noteworthy as a rule the jews stood for prayer luke chapter eighteen verses eleven to thirteen and prostration seems to have been an exceptional posture but in connection with christians kneeling is mentioned acts chapter seven verse sixty chapter nine verse forty chapter twenty verse thirty six nothing could more beautifully express the true attitude of the soul before god than this posture of the body at the same time the use of the word father indicates the other side of the truth and confidence with which we approach god he is at once our god and our father chapter one verse seventeen and our attitude must be expressive both of our adoration and of our assurance HE IS GREAT AND GOOD, AND WE APPROACH HIM AS THE HOLY ONE AND THE LOVING ONE. 3. THE ADDRESS THE FATHER FROM WHOM EVERY FAMILY IN HEAVEN AND EARTH IS NAMED. IT IS INTERESTING THAT THE TITLE GOD IS NOT ASSOCIATED WITH THIS PRAYER AS IN CHAPTER 1, ALTHOUGH THE THOUGHT OF DEITY IS FOUND IN THE ALLUSION TO BOWING THE KNEES. AND IN ADDITION TO GOD AS THE FATHER, he is described as the one from whom every family Greek fatherhood in heaven and earth is named this seems to mean that whatever element of family life exists it comes from god that all true spiritual life in heaven or earth has its origin in the father the scope of the prayer is particularly noteworthy as we contemplate god as the fount of every fatherhood and the parent of all men everywhere such a statement will do more than anything else to guard us against narrow or purely selfish desires as we approach god in prayer. Four the appeal that he would grant you, verse sixteen. As in the former prayer, the apostle is clear that what he is about to ask is essentially a divine gift, it comes from above whether he is seeking knowledge, chapter one verse seventeen. OR POWER CHAPTER 3 VERSE 16 AT EVERY STEP GOD MUST GIVE AND THE BELIEVER MUST RECEIVE IT WOULD BE WELL FOR US IN OUR CHRISTIAN EXPERIENCE TO EMPHASIZE THIS SIMPLE BUT SEARCHING TRUTH EVERY GOOD AND EVERY PERFECT GIFT COMES FROM ABOVE 5 THE STANDARD ACCORDING TO THE RICHES OF HIS GLORY VERSE 16 here again we begin to realize something of the fullness of the prayer to be offered. The measure of the Apostle's desire is not our own poverty, but God's wealth. We are to look away from ourselves to the infinite riches of the divine glory. In the former prayer, he asked that we might know the riches of God's glory. But here there is something more. We are to experience them in our heart and life. 6. THE PETITIONS In general, St. Paul asks for two great spiritual blessings, the inward strength of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling presence of Christ. These are inseparable, and we may regard the first as essential to the second, and the second as the effect of the first. But the prayer goes into detail, and each part of the petition calls for careful meditation. 1. Strengthened with power through his spirit in the inward man verse sixteen revised version as wisdom was the burden of the former prayer chapter one verse seventeen so strength is the main thought here the order too is significant wisdom and power since power without knowledge would be highly dangerous the strength comes from the holy spirit he is the agent of god's enabling grace And the strength is to extend into the inward man the contrast seems to be between the inward and the outward as in second corinthians chapter four verse sixteen romans chapter seven verse twenty two the strength is not of the body or of the mind but of the soul the inward is not exactly identical with the new man but emphasizes the inner life of the spirit as contrasted with the outer life of the body the hidden man of the heart. 2. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Verse 17. Revised Version. This is the outcome of the inward strength of the Spirit, and almost every word needs attention. The indwelling of Christ is virtually identical with that of the Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 22. Although, of course, Christ and the Holy Spirit are never absolutely identified in Holy Scripture, 2nd corinthians chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 it is only in regard to the practical outcome in the believer's experience that the indwelling of christ and the spirit amount to the same thing this is to be a permanent indwelling and not a mere passing stay just as believers together are described as a temple for god's permanent habitation chapter 2 verse 22 greek this permanent indwelling of christ is to be in your hearts almost every prayer is thus concerned with the heart the center of the moral being and the apostle prays that christ may make his home therein this is no mere influence but a personal presence the living christ within and it is to be through faith it is faith that admits christ to the heart allowing him to enter into every part of the inward man and the same faith that admits him permits him to remain reside and rule faith in a word is the total response of the soul to the lordship of christ three that ye being rooted and grounded in love verse 17 here again the original expressions imply permanent results and the two words, rooted and grounded, are beautifully complementary. The one refers to a tree, the other to a house, and the expressions point to those hidden processes of the soul which are the result of Christ's indwelling and the Holy Spirit's working. The power of the Spirit and the indwelling of Christ tend to our permanent inward establishment in the element and atmosphere of Christian love this is one of the seven occasions in this short epistle where we find the pauline phrase in love referring to the sphere and atmosphere of our fellowship with god the love no doubt means primarily and perhaps almost exclusively god's love to us as that in which we are to live and move and have our being MAY BE STRONG TO APPREHEND WITH ALL THE SAINTS WHAT IS THE breadth AND LENGTH AND HEIGHT AND DEPTH. VERSE 18, REVISED VERSION. HERE AGAIN THE EMPHASIS IS ON STRENGTH, AND THE APOSTLE PRAYS THAT WE MAY HAVE FULL STRENGTH TO GRASP, MAY BE QUITE ABLE TO ACCOMPLISH THIS PURPOSE. SPIRITUAL IDEAS CAN NEVER BE APPROPRIATED BY INTELLECTUAL ACTION ALONE. IT IS NOT BY BRILLIANT INTELLECT, But by spiritual insight that we become able to comprehend, although there is now no specific reference to love, it would seem as though the idea of verse nineteen is already in view, and assuming this to be the case, we have four aspects of the divine love which we are to be strong to grasp its breadth means that there is no barrier to it, reminding us of the extent of the divine counsels, its length tells us of the divine foreknowledge and his thought of us through the ages. Its height points to our Lord in heaven as the goal for the penitent believer. Its depth declares the possibility of love descending to the lost abyss of human misery for the purpose of redemption. And the ability to grasp the divine love in this fourfold way is to be experienced with all the saints, it is impossible to accomplish it alone. No spiritual exclusiveness is thinkable in this connection to say nothing of the lower forms of egotism and selfishness twice in this brief writing does the apostle refer to all the saints, chapter six verse eighteen, thereby reminding us of the place and power of each saint in the spiritual economy of God. One saint will be able to comprehend a little, another saint a little more, And so on until at length all the saints together are strong to grasp the divine love the wider our fellowship, the fuller and firmer our hold of the love of Christ. This is doubtless why public worship is so strongly emphasized in the new testament where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I. The experiences of our fellow-worshippers are always intended to be and usually will be, of help to our own fuller realization of our Lord and Master. The soul is justified, solitarily and alone, but it is sanctified only in the community of believers. 5. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Verse 19. If we are correct in interpreting verse 18 of the Divine Love, THE PRESENT VERSE WILL BE THE CLIMAX OF THIS PART OF THE PRAYER, AND IT HAS BEEN HELPFULLY SUGGESTED THAT WE HAVE HERE THE FIFTH DIMENSION OF THE LOVE OF CHRIST AFTER THE FOUR ALREADY MENTIONED. NOT ONLY ARE THEY TO EXPERIENCE breadth AND LENGTH AND HEIGHT AND DEPTH, BUT ALSO THE INWARDNESS. THEY ARE TO KNOW BY PERSONAL EXPERIENCE THE LOVE OF CHRIST AS IT CAN ONLY BE KNOWN BY THOSE WHO HAVE FELLOWSHIP WITH HIM it is a love that surpasses knowledge just as his power surpasses everything chapter one verse nineteen the paradox of knowing that which surpasses knowledge will not be misunderstood from the standpoint of spiritual experience because it is the difference between apprehending and comprehending we know and know deeply increasingly blessedly and yet all the while there are infinite stretches of love beyond our highest experiences 6. That ye may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Verse 19, Revised Version This is the climax of the prayer, and is the culminating purpose of the work of the Spirit and the indwelling of Christ. Strength, indwelling, love, and knowledge are to issue in fullness, and we are to be filled unto all the fullness of God. In the former prayer this fullness is associated with christ and with his body the church chapter 1 verse 23 but here it is specifically associated with god and ourselves as believers in christ when these two passages are associated with chapter 5 verse 18 which speaks of the fullness of the spirit we have the word fullness connected with each person of the blessed trinity What it means for the soul to be filled to overflowing with the presence of God itself is beyond our comprehension. It can only be a matter of personal experience as we seek to fulfill the proper conditions. Such a prayer for the fullness of God is best expressed in Miss Havergal's words. Lord, we ask it, scarcely knowing what this wondrous gift may be, but fulfill to overflowing, thy great meaning. Let us see. End of Chapter Eight.